0: Welcome to The Breakdown, a new series where we go into the stories behind our favorite LA beers with the brewers that brew them. And today I am joined by Kushal Hall from Common Space Brewery. Welcome, thanks for joining me, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. So for anyone that's not familiar with Common Space, just a quick rundown, who are you? What do you guys do? Where are you guys at? As I said, my name's Kushal, I'm
1: the head brewer. I lead a small production team here. We opened up about two years ago. We had to push our anniversary party because of the current circumstances. But yeah, we started up Common Space. I got to help draw the plans, help design the brew house, got to jackhammer concrete and do everything from the ground up here. Right. Uh, with the construction crews and contractors that we worked with so it was a really special experience and by time we were actually assembling our brew house we had the rest of our brewing and seller team andy link and josie here so that was really cool they got to help put together the brew house with me and now we're brewing away we just did our 213th brew uh this week wow so we have a great space we have a great feel to our community and i think we try to always kind of put the people first and transparency first and this concept of i guess it's a japanese business concept of kaizen but for us it means constant improvement and always like looking at the beer and we finish a batch and we like it and then look at it critically like how can we improve it what can we do next and and coming into work with that level of interest in always trying to change it not really trying to perfect the recipe as much as like trying to learn from the process and we're going to talk about Yaysayer IPA today and I don't think it's the perfect IPA I don't think it is what Yaysayer should be yet that's the fun thing is that every time we try it we're like okay well like this worked or this didn't what's the next thing we want to go after and tackle on this beer you know and then we move around we kind of focus on one beer and then another and kind of come back and forth and i'd say we sort of focus on ipas and lagers as kind of our main focus in the brewery beer wise we want to make beers for everybody simple things really good pilsner is really fun for the brewers to make and a, and a great challenge but it doesn't have to be a a fruited milkshake all the time or a barrel aged sour, although we do do those things and those are fun as well. We really focus on trying to hone in kind of more basic recipes. We're going for
0: elegance over uh, complexity. Let's dive into Ye Sayer a little bit. So. We each got some cans of this beer in front of us. Take me back to the the birth of this beer when you guys first brewed it. When we first started out, I didn't want
1: to name any of the beers until we had a recipe that we really wanted to stick to. So everything was just like a style and a batch number on our menu. And it was sort of esoteric and nerdy and <laughs> none of the customers like got what we were going for. It was like very unclear. And like, we've kind of shifted to like, no, let's name things and like, the best thing we can do with a name is like, try to express a feeling that describes the beer well. For the best. But I think the first batch of this was called Idaho IPA or something like that, because it was hopped with Idaho 7 and some Amarillo from Idaho. And when we tried that beer with that hop combo, we knew we were onto something with that mix. And really that was the birth of this band. I think about like batch three of using Idaho 7 and Amarillo together. We decided we had like our IPA that we wanted to name And this was, you know, going to be one of our flagship kind of beers that we would push really hard and and really try to develop well. Kind of our other biggest one being our German style Pilsner. We knew we wanted Pilsner to be one of our big beers because we thought it would be an easier part of the market to get into. We saw more need for good craft Pilsners in LA. There's three or four that I can think of that. I could find two years ago, mm-hmm. uh, where IPAs, of course, there's hundreds, and many of them are very good. And often to stand out in the market, you just have to try to be the freshest. Right. Uh, but we thought we found a really cool hop combo, so we wanted to focus on that. We started developing it, and we've even changed the spelling of the beer. We've changed everything about it since <laughs> the original recipe. We were spelling it like the band Yeaser, Y-E-A-S, a-Y-A, whatever. Uh-huh. Uh, now it's yay sayer, which nobody calls it easier when they're ordering at the <laughs> bar anymore. You know, we're using a different yeast. We're using a different base malt than we originally had in the building. Pretty much everything about this beer has sort of changed, but kind of one step at a time. One of the first big changes we did with all of our ales is we moved from just getting domestic two row to a lighter pale malt. And getting a slightly darker kiln gives us a little more color in the beer than you might get in a lighter West Coast style. IPA, but mostly it's not enough kiln to give you that kind of English pale kind of caramel level it's just enough to kind of blow off some of the lighter grassy planty notes of that pale ale malt. So that was kind of our first big change. Next was dry hopping and this one has is still developing. We figured out the varieties of hops we wanted and that hasn't changed. The the way we add them, the timing, played around with some hop extracts in the kettle for bitterness and then we're now we've removed those again and we're back to just pellet hops. We use some cryo hops in our dry hopping which are basically like hop keef, where you just take the lupulin kind of powder and try to get rid of as much of the green material as possible. We've played around a lot with temperature and time of our dry hopping as we, uh, along with much of the craft beer industry, discovered the concept of dry hop creep and the negative effects of getting re-fermentation and diacetyl in the package. We didn't have any bad diacetyl issues, Uh, We do diacetyl tests on all of our beer before it gets packaged, but we caught some potential issues. And our first kind of tactic was this really long dry hopping regimen that allowed re-fermentation, allowed this creep. And we just thought we were losing a lot of the bright character leaving the beer in tank too long. And then we went to a process where we're dry hopping with cryo warm, dropping the beer cooler, dropping the yeast out, adding more dry hop. We've played around with different ways of recirculating it and kind of where we've gotten to now after probably about four kind of big changes with just dry hopping process. Uh, is that we add all the beer warm at de-rest temp after we've passed our d rest uh, we recirculate it for about an hour uh, we've got valves higher up on all the tanks so we can get a good recirculation going and then as soon as we're done we drop it to 60 that gets the yeast to fall out we don't see any creep after doing that but we still get that nice warmer juicier kind of dry hop character where when you start dry hopping cooler i find you extract especially when you're recircing, you get more of the Plenty green, chlorophyll-y, grassy kind of flavors out of it. So we found if we recirc warm, we get really good extraction quickly and then we can drop that tamp, let the yeast and the hops fall out and kind of move the beer along and still get that flavor that we like and avoid the dry hop creep. So that process, like we've really just gotten to what we think is the right way to do it now a couple of months ago. So I'm sure if we did this again in a year, we'd be doing something else. And that's kind of like, that's the fun (laughs) thing. It's like, every time we come back to IPA there's, we're playing with our water chemistry, we're playing with our malts, we're playing with our hops but like, it's also just the process. Yeah. And how do we add hops to get the best flavor that lasts the longest, that doesn't create these other process issues.
0: How many months into you guys starting brewing, do you think that you came up with that, like that Idaho IPA? Like just kind of getting a sense for like the timeline. Was it like a few months or? First IPA we did was like maybe, I think it was the second
1: batch of beer we did was our first IPA, which we called Easy IPA. It was basically, I don't know. It was somewhere between a hoppy pail and like a session, and we didn't know if people liked the word session IPA anymore. And that mm-hmm. that recipe kind of has developed into food fight or hazy. The next IPA we did was we called it strong IPA, and I guess that's sort of the one that has developed into random and dangerous a double IPA, mm-hmm. and then really yeasayer developed out of us just buying a box Idaho 7. I think I might have rubbed some at like GABF or something. At some point, I smelled some of that hop and I'm like, this is cool. Or maybe Andy found it and brought it in. I don't remember exactly how we found it, but I remember smelling that hop and just being like, we got to find something that works with this. And just the very fact that it's from Idaho and has Idaho in the name, we're like, let's get some Idaho Amarillo and we'll make an Idaho beer just like for no reason. Right. and We did that and it just happened to be a really good combo. And then from there, it was just figuring out how much of which hop went and in what form, you know, T90 pellets or cryo pellets, and does it go in the kettle or the dry hop? Do we use extracts? And that's kind of like, once we found that flavor combo, we loved it. Uh, It was probably, gosh, I'm not sure, at least six months into being open before we made that beer. Cool, so I'm gonna crack this can open. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah,
0: tell me about the art though.
1: <laughs> so I've, I've got the great resource of my older brother who is in animation. I'm actually wearing a shirt for one of his shows he's working on. That's a cool shirt. Um, called uh, The Mighty Ones. It's not out yet, but it's about some little creatures that live in a backyard. Nice. Um, but I, <laughs> I was on cool. a trip with him in Florida and we're at a brewery that was one of his like coworkers Brothers Brewery and he calls this guy like his doppelganger because they both are in animation app have brothers who run breweries. <laughs> um, so we're there and there's this cool mural on the wall and he's like, oh shit, like my buddy did that. And he's kind of looks at me and he's like, do you want me to do a can for you guys? I'm like, dude, I'd love that if you have time. And when we got back, I was like, okay, here's the project, do Yaysayer. And like, we want this message of positivity, like the idea is the opposite of a naysayer, like a yaysayer. You know, like I think I'm kind of the pessimist in the group in our brewery. Like when we have big ideas, and sometimes I need to be reminded to not kind of like shoot down things that sound unlikely. But like, let's look at it as a problem that we can tackle. So I like the idea of the yes there, and um, you know, it's kind of everybody like raising their fist or their hand and solidarity, like as a group. Uh, we got our brewery dog Dodgers pawn here and nice. you know just kind of a group of folks that seem like a wide swath of people and creatures so you know just kind of a fun positive message I don't know that's what we think beer should be just kind of like a fun easygoing thing right so yeah. IPAs I think are a great example that they're like crisp and refreshing and pungent and bright and citrusy and it's
0: just like it feels joyful you know yeah i definitely am feeling that that vibe coming off of this so uh, i'm gonna go ahead and crack it open give myself a pour all right got my nice common space glassware too i dig that glass design too Talk me through kind of aroma side, like I'm putting this glass to my to my nose. What were you kind of hoping to the Idaho 7 and the Amarillo to kind of bring to this bouquet? You know, that
1: has really changed over time too. Cause I think the first lot of Idaho 7 we got was like very lemony, super bright. It's sort of like a really clean version of kind of a classic centennial. Mm-hmm. Um, we're now, this year's lot, what we're getting out of it, and we've switched from California all yeast to a Conan strain, which kind of brings out more of a sweeter, fruity note, I think. We're getting, I still get a lot of citrus, but I get a lot more like cantaloupe direction, kind of melon in there as well. Mm-hmm. And I get some like a little hint of pineapple, a little hint of papaya kind of direction, kind of also just kind of playing in that melon range.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it, on the on the nose, it's just incredibly balanced. Like you're saying it it's not overwhelmingly citrus. Um, it's balanced out by a little bit of like juicy earthiness of like melon. And yeah, you get a little bit of that tropical juice component on the nose, but not in a way that like a lot of IPAs are throwing in your face these days. Just like just a tad to kind of balance out, give a little bit of sweetness to that kind of Acidic, citrus, bitter nose that the that that citrus brings to it. Yeah, really cool. All right, let me give it a taste. I dig that. Uh, I mean, the first thing that's coming to my mind is the malt character on it. Like this is it's unique, and I've kind of let mine warm up a little bit so I really kind of get um, everything coming through there. The malt sweetness on it is like really dialed in and it's, I think it's unique too. Like it's not that like overripe orange, like really kind of like like sticky, danky sweetness. its It's got like a bright sweetness to it. I think, so <laughs> uh, when we first started brewing, I
1: think we relied a lot more on, materials to kind of get the right body and flavor we wanted like using different specialty malts where in this beer this beer is the best example of us really just learning how to brew better how to mash how to control our water chemistry our mash temperatures our ph and and all the science that goes into it to get the beer to ferment out the way you want the grist on this is just our silo pale malt and a little bit of acidulated malt to do some pH correction. So we used to have some oats in there and and way back we had some Carahel, uh, a light caramel malt in there. But right now it's just kale malt. And really all we need is like a little bit of color, a little bit of sweetness, and like that clean kind of crackery malt character. Uh, And that sweetness and that color is going to make you pick up and see all the fruit flavors coming from the hops. And then switching to the fruitier Conan style yeast, I think just accentuates that more and adds a little more kind of like warm, like slightly dried fruit, like a dried apricot kind of like sweetness to it where before it was a little higher like on the fruity citrus floral kind of side. I think that yeast kind of brings out more of the eating fruit kind of
0: flavors. You nailed it with the dried apricot. Like it's like, that's really, really coming through and it's almost like you're chewing on it. Like it's almost like you just swallowed one, but a lot of kind of like lemon, rind, citrus component to it too, that I'm really liking also super clean too. Yeah that's
1: definitely a goal with all of our beers except for maybe when we're doing a triple IPA or something wacky is that we want them to be very clean. Generally we want to make sessionable beers not low alcohol necessarily although we do make some pretty low alcohol beers but like beers you could really sit out and you know have a few of drinking socially with friends and have them with food without it dominating too much like I get a lot of good hop flavor and I get a nice bitter bite at the end and there is a little bit of hop coating but like we don't want any kind of like enamel stripping bitterness or any kind of like too much focus on one thing we want it to be pretty balanced and to finish fairly clean like we want you to be able to have a hellus after an IPA and not have your palate
0: Yeah, in the world of IPAs these days, I feel like the sub styles within that main style are just the lines are just completely blurred. And when I see West Coast IPA or Hazy IPA, I have no idea what the hell I'm about to get. I think a, a beer like this, it'd be hard to kind of really classify it as something other than like American IPA. Like I feel like the balance, the sweetness, the restrained bitterness on it, like I think it really just kind of like it kind of brings back this like classic american ipa vibe to it and not in a way that's like that is derogatory in any means like from like american ipa being like too sweet and not really in style or like being boring like this is something that like it kind of gives a fresh new look on what american ipa is in like the 2020 market you know yeah yeah (laughs) hey
1: I don't know what I would call it stylistically. I mean, I think IPA is the clearest thing to the customer, but like, how does it fit into all of that? Like we want a lot of sweet flavors, but mechanically like it is very dry. There's very little residual sugar, like most of that is perceptual sweetness. So, you know, I feel like bitterness, sweetness level, it fits into IPA, but maybe it drinks more like a, dry hop, strong pale ale, but then it's got those juicy flavors from the yeast, but it's centrifuge. So like, what is it? A clarified, (laughs) hazy American strong dry hop pale ale or something? (laughs) So like, might as well just call it an IPA.
0: I really enjoy this beer just from everything, from like the can itself, the name, the design, pouring it into a glass. The aromas really jump out of that glass as you're pouring it from the appearance side down to how it tastes, which is the most important part. Um, you nailed it. 6.7%. You can have more than one of these in a session. Pair this up with the fresh pills of LA, maybe take things up a notch to random and dangerous. Like, you know, you kind of choose your own destiny at that point. But this is kind of like right there with like the middle of your, your beer offering, like anyone's going to be able to gravitate towards this and enjoy it. Really cool stuff. So in terms of where people can get it, I know everything is crazy right now. But yeah. is this so? Obviously, we'll wanna, we want to we want to plug. You guys are selling these beers out of the tap room for pickup for delivery. Is it out in the market too? Is it? Can people find it? It at is. Home? So you know, we
1: also we sell to you know normally bars and restaurants. Most of our draft accounts aren't buying right now. Right. Some of them are filling growlers or growlers and such. And you know, support your local spots that you drink at first. And if you have a corner store with a great craft beer selection, go buy it from them first. You know, we're shipping still to stores, although we're getting less orders. You know, if you live near the brewery, we're down in Hawthorne. Come on by the tap room, and you can pick up prowlers and four packs. And then we're also doing direct to customer delivery throughout Greater LA. Just go to the website, and you can put in an order, and we deliver next day. Awesome.
0: Love it, man. Thank you so much for joining me on this. Everyone, drink Common Space, drink Sayer. give this a try. It's for sure worth it. Cheers. See you guys next time. Cheers. Cheers.